Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 292 for January 25th, 2016. On today's show, we're talking about getting internet into the shop, listening to audio while woodworking, how flat is flat enough, and how thick to cut your lumber. All that and more coming up, but first, we want to thank a few special folks who helped us out with support. Christopher Simmons, Adam Drummer, George Adams, and Tom Buell. Thank you Adam so much, Drummer. Guys. Isn't that Kylo Ren? Is that his name? I just saw him on SNL, and I don't remember to do his actual name. I think. Driver, I'd like to it. prefer that Kylo Ren is... <laughs> Yeah. Drummer. Driver. Finally saw that movie, so I'm just excited. That's all. Well, it was totally worth interrupting me for, so thanks yeah. for that. Star um, Wars is always acceptable. It, yes, absolutely. I saw it twice, by the way. I, I went to IMAX for the second one. Totally awesome. Really? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, but if you want to help out like uh, the guy from Star Wars did, you can go to woodtalkshow.com. Look in the right-hand column. You'll see some links there for uh, small one-time or recurring donation links. Whatever you want to do, any little bit of support that you could send our way certainly helps, and we appreciate that. Uh, and you know what? We'll thank you at the beginning of the show, just like we did with those folks if you uh, do send us a few bucks. And let's move into what's on the bench. For me, I'm still plugging away at this uh, this bed project. It's a little bit slow. I've been having a lot of appointments, and the kids are sick, and doctor's appointments left and right, which always slows things down. Um, but ultimately, it's it's kind of getting getting into the, the meat of it right now. Um, and I feel like I'm being a little bit wasteful. So when you guys are dealing with really long pieces, you know, like you're talking about bed rails, right? So it's not quite like eight feet long. I don't know, maybe like mm-hmm. 80 inches long, something like that. And I want them to be probably about an inch and a half thickness when it's all said and done. And I'm starting with eight quarter lumber. And that seems incredibly <laughs> wasteful, right, to bring that board down. But speaking from experience, I know that if I take a full eight quarter board that has any bit of like misshapenness yeah. to it and I try to work it down and <laughs> only what, you know, and I want to retain like an inch and three quarters, let's say, because, you know, I don't I, we don't all start with uh, slabs and logs around here. You know, <laughs> some of us some of us have to rely on the uh, the lumber places stock. But um, so I know that I would not be able to get that 80 inch piece to an inch and three quarter dead straight you know, with regular milling, unless I just really got lucky and got some super flat stock, it's just not happening. So right. I, I reduced the size, the thickness down to an inch and a half, which works for the design. It's perfectly fine, but I feel so wasteful as I'm taking, I'm not even like resawing it to remove a little piece. I'm just, you know, milling it down and it's incredibly wasteful, but I just don't know of a better way for me to end up with a very long piece that is dead flat straight, exactly what I need it to be. Is that wasteful yeah. or is that like you, you guys do that I too? Wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. You've never ever been to a mill and seen what they throw away? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> but two wrongs like don't make a right. no idea. <laughs> that is not wasteful. <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing. I mean, we I think we hold ourselves in our shops up to slightly higher standards <laughs> than the industry might. Come, come visit the dumpster on the other side yeah. of the warehouse from yeah. my office. You'll be swim, shocked. Swim in the, uh, the vat of chips. <laughs> the the way I look at it is what's the alternative? And you said it was to resaw away that stock. Well, what would you do with the part that you resawed away? That because you know I would probably put it in my smoker. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's not entirely wasteful. No, not suppose, totally. But but, yeah. but you know, because I hear this a lot. There's a lot of guys who are like, well, I'm trying to make drawer sides, and you know, I'm trying to resaw this in in half because they're resawing off a quarter of an inch. It's like, well, what are you going to do? With that quarter inch sliver that's left over, because first of all, it's got a potato chip on you, yeah, like crazy. So you know, it's not like, well, I'll save it and make a box out of it because it's probably not going to be useful 
to to resaw away that little tiny bit because you know yeah band saws don't have that much of a curve but you're going to lose a little bit especially if you use your resaw cane you're going to use a little bit more than that sure so you know you have to look at what am I wasting you're you're cutting you know a quarter inch off of either off of both faces right because you're going from eight quarter to well maybe eight quarter maybe more like yeah a little less a little less than that this, this happened to be very thick material surprisingly thick um, right. But still, it's it's a quarter inch off of each each face. Yeah. You know, a half an inch off of one face. If you remove half an inch from the one face, you might end up with problems down the road. Oh, but that and that's that's the fear, you know. And I I don't know that there's any other better way, but it does it still yeah. feels wasteful. I mean, yeah, it's, you I just guess, gotta look at what would I do with what's left over. And right. in your case, it actually is wasteful because you could put it in the smoker. I, well, I could put cherry, it in the smoker, and then honestly, if I did get a good solid quarter inch piece, I probably could put that on the side for some sort of home saw and veneer thing in the future or marquetry or or something like that or an inlay, whatever. But realistically, I don't know that I'm going to keep stock around that long. I'd probably find yeah. someone to give it to, or again, it goes in a smoker. So. <laughs> and unless it's really like, you know, exciting looking grain, no, yeah, you know, I mean, all the, like in your, um, whatchamacallit, your game table, where you just use like vanilla, uh, veneer on the bottom side, yeah. that would work Sure, be sure. Good for that. But unless you're, you know, talking about really interesting grain, then is it really worth keeping his veneer? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. All right, Get over yourself. You're not being wasteful. Well, you know, just it grows on trees. <laughs> just trying to be conservative here. You know, it's I'm just trying thing to that actually grows on trees. party right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon, what about you? Uh, <laughs> shoveling snow. That sounds um, fun. I know. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I have a full time job. So my shop time is dedicated to either late at night or on the weekends. And Frankly, the, with the hysteria that exists in Maryland when a snowstorm comes, it's like nothing got done in the days leading up to the storm because, of course, you've got to like go and you know batten down the hatches and go to the grocery store. Make sure you've got fuel in the generator and extra fuel. And then the snow hit, and it was literally just two days straight of shoveling. It was just awful. That sounds fun. Yeah. Fortunately, my, my, I shouldn't say fortunately, the reason I was able to use my neighbor's snowblowers because he has cancer. So that's not fortunate at all, but I did his driveway for him, but <laughs> still very nice cancer table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That guy. Um, so let's just say I hurt that. And the fact that I slipped and fell right on my butt. So like <laughs> sitting here right now is very painful. I'm pretty, I need one of those little donut pillows. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm pretty sore too, but it's because I've been uh, jogging and bike riding the last two days. So yeah, you're you know, like it's it's almost you know shaper. similar thing, right? Similar thing. Although you know, it's like 60 degrees here, but that's good. Yeah, enjoy your snow. Actually, I saw the pictures, and I used to love those days when I lived back east. And that was probably because I didn't have to drive at the time. <laughs> uh, I had nowhere <laughs> yeah. to go. I was just uh, in school. But you know, those days when you have no, there's no other option but to sit in the house and read a book like eat some food, watch some TV shows, play some video games. Like to me, I like that. I've never no, had that, that excuse. That part here. was good. That part was good. Like we put together a Lego model and yeah, watched see? a couple movies, but it could be fun. You know, every time the dog needed to go out, I had to go out and dig out his little patch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the rate of snowfall, it was like every 30 minutes I had to dig up uh, another three inches to six inches. And you know, you wait a couple hours and nice. suddenly you can't even tell that you dug out that little patch. Yeah. It <laughs> right. was a, Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely, especially on Sunday when the real digging out began, because it was, you know, clear and sunny that day, you know, I'm sitting here watching like all the kids in the neighborhood having snowball fights. And it's like, man, I wish I was a kid again. Right. You know, yeah, instead of so having fun. to be responsible and stuff. <laughs> Job and scooping poop and all that stuff. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, my my kid is out there like digging a hole to China. He just loves the snow, so he's like trying to dig down through five <laughs> feet of snow and and Silly basically Kenny. kicking it all to where I just shoveled it. Nice, very good. Well, what about you, Matt? I'm pretty sure it's like exactly the same thing as last week. Still working on the sofa table with the videos and the actual build. And I took my trailer out and picked up some logs again on Saturday. You're so predictable. I know. It's nice. Jeez. You're so boring. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Sounds good. Um, again, still can't wait to see that table come together. Uh, moving to what's new here. Got a couple of links, neat things to share for you. Sometimes it's stuff we found. Sometimes it's stuff you find and send to us. This one here is from Phil D., uh, woodworking guy, he calls himself. He says it's the wooden Ferrari. Now, this is interesting. I think I may have seen this video, but I know I've seen pictures of this guy with his wooden Ferrari floating on a lake or whatever it is, or in a bay. I don't know where he is. Uh, but it's a guy floating in a wooden car and driving along, like, hey everybody, look at me. So I've seen the pictures of it, but this is actually video. So it's on YouTube. We'll put the we'll put the uh, embed right there in the show notes for you, but you definitely want to check it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, now, okay, so these links are the rest of these don't have names on there. So whoever put those in there, go ahead and talk about them. All right. Well, most of them just came out of our uh, contact form. So mm. I'll grab the next one. Next one comes from Ethan. And actually, I I don't know. I saw this somewhere on Facebook, but Ellen's Design Challenge is back for season two. Yes. Uh, I have not seen it yet, but um, I have seen responses to it that it's good. And, you know, kind of like last year, people are really digging it. So. Uh, I don't even know what day it's on. I should probably have more details on this, but Ellen's design challenge, go look it up. I doubt it's online yet. It wasn't last year. Yeah. Unless you grab like the, the illegal version. one. Yeah. <laughs> it does seem to be fairly positive. The feedback on this one. I know last year between, um, uh, what was the other one framework and, oh, yeah. and Ellen's, it, there was a lot of criticism going on uh, and a lot of people kind of poo-pooing the show this year it seems like people are a little bit more open to the idea of uh, at least ellen's show i don't i don't know if framework's coming back or not hmm. i don't know haven't heard anything about it i should you would ask, know more uh, you, you need to call your i will your ask brandon gore my good friend yeah <laughs> and fellow phoenician uh cool all right so this next one i'll just do this real quick um unless someone else wants to do it but the woodworking podcast is a thing TWP one underrated shop tools. So it's another audio podcast for you to listen to. Um, they are expanding like gremlins after midnight or wait, <laughs> is it when you get a water on a mogwai? Is it water? Yeah. yeah. When you drop water on them. Okay. It's after midnight that they turn into gremlins if you feed them. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a mogwai that had water put on it. And now all these little baby fur balls of podcasts are springing up. Uh, this one has Jay from Jay's Custom Creations, uh, Nick from uh, nickferry.com, and uh, it looks like April Wil- Wilkerson from Wilkerdews. And I haven't listened to it yet, but I, I'm, my my podcast app is going to be absolutely chock full of stuff <laughs> for me to listen to while I go poo. <laughs> and nice. I'm super excited about it. Uh, this one actually is really good. I mean, these are very interesting. It's a, a cool group of people, just like, uh, w- w- I can't remember the names of these ones. The one with uh, uh, Sean Rubino. life. Yeah, the dusty last like, week. Yeah, yeah dusty exactly. Like so it's like every week we've got a new one to announce, which is cool. So, hey, good job. I can't wait to listen and I wish them the best of luck with it. Cool. They're especially imaginative with their name, the Woodworking Podcast. It's, it's like the, the Woodworking Show. Yeah, I talked, oh, I man. actually talked to Nick about this offline and he's like, is, do you think that's a little too on the nose? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I, I said, honestly, no, I don't. I think it's perfectly fine. It's a little generic in that sense, but it's, you know, it's going to be good for SEO. Why the heck not? You know, the personalities come from the host, not from the title of the show. So, uh, I think it's cool. All I right. Agree. Good job. Yeah. 
Um, we got a, an email from Kevin uh, about a YouTube video, and he says, uh, you know, we may have talked about it on the show before, but I was watching through this, and I have no memory of this. It's a, a carver in China, and it's really about the 12-and-a-half-minute mark of this video because it's one of those kind of documentary-type mm. shows. We've seen him before on um, furniture making, and that may be what Kevin's thinking about, but there is some ridiculously detailed um, relief and carving in the round stuff going on at uh, the 12 and a half minute mark. And it goes on for, I think, four minutes or so. But uh, cool. great, outstanding, outstanding skills. Uh, well worth a watch. Very nice. Um, Matt, you want to grab this last one? Sure. This one is from Jerry. This is Crazy Furniture with Moving Parts. And it is a link to a video explaining how a radial engine works. And uh, I didn't even know this was a thing. I probably should have, but pretty awesome i've never seen a radial engine before that is mesmerizing it's uh what does it do (laughs) i mean i guess it's an engine obviously but like pistons arranged in in radius around a central um shaft i guess i mean i guess you just talk about anything you want to power i think usually it's, it's mostly used on um uh airplane props is what i've so i watched this earlier this week i was like this is pretty crazy that's a, like a lot of thing. That's a lot of effort to put into making this for demo purposes. It is, but <laughs> I learned something from it. So, congrats! Thank you, Ian Jimerson, for doing this video. It was totally worth it. Matt learned something. I learned something. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> All right, let's move into our Kikabaka. Um, I I'll do the second one. Shannon, you want to take the first one? Okay. Uh, this comes from John. He's, uh, we answered his question about a card scraper on the last episode, I believe it was. He said he did go back and watch the William Ng video several times, which made him feel incompetent, which is typical <laughs> with his videos. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes it look so easy to take big fluffy shavings. Anyway, I rehone the sides and top edge to 8,000 grit and haven't had any notable improvement. Um, I know that I'm 90% of the way to conquering the woodworking Kobayashi Maru. Very nice. Uh, but I still can't get big fluffy shavings and a glassy service that he gets. So I, I definitely wanted to bring this up because now that we know you're getting it sharp, we can move on. Because like 90% of the time, the problems that people have is because their tool's not sharp. I would question what you're doing with the burr and how you're not so much how much how you're rolling it, but at what angle. And in other words, are you presenting the scraper at the appropriate angle? So um, a lot of times you can get kind of different shavings, not super fluffy. Plus, you can also have to push a little bit harder. It feels like you're working a little bit harder because you're not actually presenting the scraper at the optimal cutting angle. So you need to kind of mess around with the angle a little bit. Uh, what I actually recommend is when you're rolling the burr to put very little angle, like five degrees or less. You know, it's, it's so that because if you think about it, when you present the card scraper to the wood, if the angle is, is really steep, if you're putting like a 20, 30 degree angle on there, you really have to lean the scraper over and then your knuckles literally are dragging on the wood. If you've got it closer to, see, I'm getting my, I'm saying 20, 30 degrees, it depends on what plane I'm talking about um if you look at the edge you look at the side of the scraper and the burr is like straight out at perpendicular like 90 degrees you know go just a little bit more acute than that like 85 degrees and then when you present it you don't having to lean the scraper over that far and if you've bent it if you've rolled that over too extreme then you know you may either not be hitting it right or you might be actually 
Um, I know this sounds stupid because it's a scraper, but you might be presenting it at a scraping angle instead of using the burr as an actual cutting edge. So um, either change the angle in which you're rolling it and again, focus on less is more in this particular instance, and then set the scraper on the wood straight perpendicular to the wood, straight up and down, and start to, to push it and then slowly lean it forward and you will feel when it catches. And you want to match that angle every single time, basically. Um, and you, you kind of get into the body mechanics worked out. I have a feeling you may be, you're probably presenting the scraper at too acute of an angle. Um, or your burr is too acute and you're just not getting it to cut. Which is very much like running a dull blade over the wood, if you think about it. You know, that's what my uh, Italian grandmother said when I was born. She goes, oh, he's so cute. (laughs) Get it? Wow, that was bad. Come on, that was good. (laughs) Don't make fun of my grandma. All right, sounds good. Uh, George also wrote in. He said, I enjoy the show and thought I would reinforce your decision to use a domino and multi-router for the upcoming project and accept the criticism with a contribution via PayPal. Well, thank you, George. He says, I too like to acquire and use tools depending upon the needs of my project and look forward to learning how you put this new, although expensive technology to best use. We'll see. I hope I can do that. (laughs) I may just use it in a crappy way and uh, just get through the project. What Uh, I find interesting is George, there was another part of his comment that said he also enjoys the, uh, my perspective on things and taking fluffy shavings. So it just shows you that we can all get along. Well, look, the bottom line is, you know, we love woodworking. And you could yeah. do it with any tool you want or CNC or a chisel and a hammer or whatever you want to do. Uh, if you love woodworking, sometimes you just got to, you know, lighten up a little bit. Just enjoy the woodworking for what it is. Who cares what they're using? You know, I've discovered a problem, not to jump back a little bit, but with the generic nature of the woodworking podcast, I can't find it in iTunes to subscribe to it. Oh, uh, maybe they're I not in there yet. woodworking podcast in and I get like our show and my oh, show and Mark's show. And they might Matt not Vandal's be in the show. store yet though. They may <laughs> not even be in that. So. It's just giving me woodworking podcasts. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our uh, feature topic here. This is something we're going to try to do a little more often where we have either a question or a kickback, something that inspires a conversation between the three of us that we can kind of compare notes. Uh, not a really big, large topic, but something we could uh, discuss together. And uh, today we're going to talk about something from Dave Dewey. Uh, he wrote us and was talking about his internet connection in the shop. So I'll read what he said. Uh, he says, inspired, wait, all kidding aside. Hmm. What was that too? I must've cut off the first part. Anyway, he says, I thought I would share. He must have said something. He goes, all kidding aside, that's not how you usually start a sentence. Um, I thought I would share a technology that I discovered. I have a detached shop in a metal-sided building. It's a black hole to sell and Wi-Fi signals. I found a Wi-Fi extender that transmits through power lines in your home. If your shop is powered from the same source as your home, uh, basically there is only one electric meter for both, then this will likely work. While this speed is not as fast as my home, I'm getting about 10 megabytes transfer rate. It allows me to get text messages, listen to online music and podcasts, read email, and browse social media. There may be uh, many of your listeners that can benefit from this device. So it gives us a link to it, and it is a simple Wi-Fi power line Wi-Fi extender, which is pretty darn cool. Um, and I've known about power line adapters before. I've never actually needed to use one, uh, but uh, if you're just looking for that basic connection, it seems like a really good way to get that uh, internet connection into your shop. So I thought this would be a, a cool thing for us to kind of compare notes 
and you know some of us may not have elaborate setups at all especially if the the shop is attached to the house it's probably fairly easy <laughs> to get a wi-fi signal in there but the three of us probably do have a little bit more of a demand for good connections in our shop so i thought it might be interesting to talk about so um shannon why don't you go first what, what's your internet setup um, I am, well, I mean, the, the garage is basically attached to the house, but, uh, I get a pretty decent, actually a, a really decent Wi-Fi signal. Uh, you know, in the house, I'm running about 80 megabit per second, uh, speed mm-hmm. really quite fast, at least in my neck of the woods. I can get about 50 megabits over my Wi-Fi, just straight off a of Wi-Fi. Nice. The interesting thing is, is I tried a power line adapter at one point and it, Definitely cut the speed back. I was running about 30, 30, 35, which still sounds pretty awesome when you compare it to his 10 megabit transfer rate. Right. Um, the biggest issue that I have is upload speed. Um, you know, their asymmetrical networks don't allow more than like a couple of megabits per second upload unless you go to like a, you know, crazy like 180 megabit download and then you might get 10 up. Sure, uh, sure. Which the the biggest issue for me has never been actually getting data into the shop. It's uh, uploading data when I'm broadcasting in there. Right. So I that's always been the real problem. Okay. Um, getting poor quality. What I'm actually looking to do is run a dedicated service to the shop, and I'll probably go with a, a symmetrical option. Uh, I know there's several fiber options in my neck of the woods that offer uh, you know fifty up, fifty down. Uh, 80 up, 80 down, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think just from a from a business perspective, having a dedicated line in there also makes it a little bit easier from a tax perspective. On <laughs> This is dedicated business line, and you can use dedicated business services for that. Yeah, that would be good. A good luxury for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Matt, what's your setup look like? I've got, well, as far as internet connections go, I have uh, 50-20 here in the house, and the shop mm-hmm. is attached to the house. It's a tuck under garage. But I have my router and my my switch that has all the wires for the rest of the house in the room that is uh, on the other side of the block wall that my garage or my shop is attached to. So I actually took the antennas off my router and I got those external ones. So I have one antenna inside the house, I guess, and then one one antenna I fed through the block wall and it's in my shop. So I have an actual antenna in the shop for the Wi-Fi. Oh, nice. but then for my shop computer that I have in there, I have that um, hardwired in. Okay. Because I can just run the wire right to the wall, and there it is. That is the so way to go. So then all of my other computers are hardwired. My desktops are. Yeah. If you can do that, that's obviously the best I, way. I, I've thought about that. I'm in a similar situation, except mine is directly upstairs from oh, the okay. shop. So I, it's actually no you know block wall or anything. It's just a matter of you know drilling through the floor. <laughs> you know, a nice yeah. you know white oak hardwood flooring upstairs <laughs> might be a bit of an issue. No but. problem. Use a small bit. It'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know if it, if it made a difference there or anything. But I'm like, well, you know, block wall is probably a little more than like drywall or something. So why the heck not? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, the, the shop is detached technically. I mean, there's a, uh, it's attached at the top of the uh, awning, I guess you would call it the overhang. Um, but the buildings are totally separate. So when we put the shop in, one of the things I did was make sure that we ran some conduit in case I wanted to run something. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do for the internet because I can get Wi-Fi in the shop. It's not super reliable. It's probably not something that would be good for live broadcasts. To, to do and we've uh, been bitten in the butt by using too much Wi-Fi <laughs> in those situations. It like can work for a little while and it just starts to poop out on us. So uh, what I wound up doing is running um, just a nice uh, Cat6 cable through the ground. Nice. 
uh, connected. So we have the, the router in the house and I connect directly to the router. Uh, the cable goes right into the shop. And initially I did what you were talking about, Shannon. I actually ran, um, a, a whole dedicated line and had a, a second, um, cable modem installed and was mm-hmm. basically paying two bills. And then I gave it a little bit more thought and I'm like, wait a minute, if I could just get the, the cat six run in there directly from my house connection, I can actually buy a second router and just give the routers network the same name. So mm-hmm. I have multiple routers throughout and actually we have a total of three routers to cover our whole property <laughs> <laughs> to make sure we're like blanketed in Wi-Fi and basically your device, you know, it depends on the device, but a lot of them will just like jump onto the next network, whichever one it's closer to. Um, so in the case of the shop, it's got its own router right there and we can plug in direct when we need to for live broadcast and just about anything else. I've got um, nice Wi-Fi there, but the key was being able to get that wire from the house to the shop. So if you are building a shop, anyone is in the process of doing that. Think about those things. You're going to want at least some way to connect things from the house to the shop. So run that conduit. It's not that expensive because chances are you're going to be running conduit anyway. Um, But when we had our power run to the shop, it was no reason why we couldn't just put like a one inch pipe down there and then feed some stuff through. And I have run things through there after the fact. So you do that thing where you put like a plastic bag on a piece of string (laughs) and then a vacuum on the other end and suck it through. Uh, so I had, to, I had to do that a number of times to get the wire run through the conduit, but it it worked fine. It worked really well. So we've got a, a good connection in there and that's uh, definitely a good idea to go that route if you have the luxury. Hmm. That's a good idea. Just yeah, putting it, a separate router, separate yeah. modem on there. That's and it's all cool. the same, the same network, same password. So all the devices kind of just, you know, can, can bounce from one to the, to the next. I mean, you could probably name them different names and do the same thing, but uh, either way, that's Huey, what we Dewey do. and Louie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, mine is called What the Frack. So nice. ever ever driving around and you see that network name, that's us. All right, what's the password? Uh, okay, hold on. Uh, let's see. Let's, <laughs> so that's that's the feature topic. And uh, <laughs> 2XMY4 yeah. at ampersand for 27. And great. Now I'm going to have to change my password. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, so yeah, if you have ideas for feature topics, things like this, it can't be too big of a topic. So um, if you want to give us a kickback or something with the, the contact form, go ahead and let us know. Um, and, and I like this idea of doing things that aren't necessarily like on the nose woodworking stuff. It could be tangentially related. And uh, we'll talk about that too. Yeah. As long as it's not knitting related. That's true. All right. <laughs> let's move into our voicemail. Got one here from Jake. He's got a question about sawdust and wood glue, but you'll recognize the voice. It's kind of a long email, and I'll tell you what, he's got a joke at the end that I have to cut off. I'll play it for you guys after the show, but I had to cut the joke off. And this is Jake, the guy with the uh, awesome, funny accent. Hey guys, this is Jake from Benton, Illinois, also known as No Name Sad Guy, from the last uh, couple of shows back where I called in and uh, I was sad. Also, I'm also known as uh, Not a Real Woodworker from when I sent you guys an email asking about the beadlock and Shannon said that I was not a real woodworker because I had not cut a mortise and tenon in the traditional style, which I had. Just so you know, I had. But anywho, basically, I just was uh, jealous of the Festool Domino. Can't afford it. Wanted something similar. But uh, I got a question. My question is as such. Uh... I want to know about filling holes and small gaps with uh, sawdust and wood glue. I've gotten mixed results on this. Not sure if you're supposed to do sawdust, then the wood glue, the wood glue, then the sawdust. Maybe you mix it up before and squeeze it on in. Just wanted to get your 
opinion on what you've had good results with. Uh, also, I played the voicemail that y'all that I sent in that y'all had on the show, and uh, my wife said, uh, "Is that the drunken woodworker?" And I said, "No, honey, uh, that's a that's a different show, but it's a good show." And she said, "Oh, well, if you had your own show." You would be the idiot woodworker. <laughs> so there's that. And, uh, oh, got a joke? But Okay, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we won't be playing <laughs> the, the joke. Actually, it's not that bad. It's just not, you know, we can't play it. Uh, but, Jake, I'll tell you what, man. You can call in anytime. Like, anytime Seriously. you just want to call in and say hi, let us know what happened in your, your life that week. I mean, that that's perfectly fine. <laughs> I think we'll play it. Most well, uh, definitely. We want to hear stuff. more from Jake. All right, so he Even did have he's not a, a real woodworker. Yeah, exactly. And more voicemails in general. Yes. Fun. He did have a, a question, though. He wants to know what? about using sawdust oh, yeah. and, and wood glue. There was a question in there. Um, so I'll tell you what. Right off the bat, I don't really like it. I might occasionally do a little bit of sawdust with CA glue, but ultimately I find the dust-glue mixtures, I don't like the way it matches up to the wood. Once you put the glue into the wood, like little fibers and dust, it kind of changes the color, and it makes it a little bit more obvious. So I actually avoid doing it. Don't personally like it. I'd rather use a filler or something that gets the color a little bit closer to where it needs to be. Uh, if it's not very visible, I might do it. But if it's on a show face, I'm going to probably come up with some other solution. Uh, Matt, what about you? You ever do a wood dust glue fill for anything? Same kind of thing as you. I mean, I tried it back in my early days. Didn't really like it. Didn't really come out nice after the finish went on. So if I have to do that, I'll use CA glue with the with the uh, sawdust, mm-hmm. if anything. But, uh, you know, don't have gaps to begin with. <laughs> don't screw up <laughs> so, to begin with. Yeah. Woodworkers don't have gaps. <laughs> yeah, woodworkers don't, don't need me. filler. <laughs> nice. I, I, I got to go with the crowd here. It, to me, <laughs> it looks like sawdust and glue. Um, right. And... Because of the the what amount of glue in the mixture, it wreaks havoc on finish. Mm-hmm. Like it never will absorb finish. So then all it does is highlight the fact that there's a bunch of glue and sawdust in there. So yeah, I mean, I think if you were painting over it, it might be okay. Uh, but as far as a natural fix, you're much better off with like a small sliver of wood mm-hmm. just kind of wedged in there to the to uh, um fill that gap sure sure and uh, timbermate wood fillers are good like if you're really in a pinch their wood fillers match pretty darn well to the natural color of, of the various species so there are times where i've used that to kind of disguise oopsies and mistakes and the occasional gap here and there uh, but timbermate in particular is really really good all right well now's a good time to talk about our friends over at harry's haven't talked about them in a while but uh, they make good stuff. So 2016 is here. It's a new year and it's time for a fresh start. Here's a New Year's resolution that is a no-brainer. Stop overpaying for a great shave. Now, Shannon, you are our resident shaver in the Wood Talk trio. Uh, and I know you you even mentioned recently having to reorder some razors from Harry's. How has, how's your face? How's your skin? It's so nice. It's baby is it, smooth. Is it? I want to touch it next time I see you. Is it baby okay. face smooth? <laughs> baby yes. face smooth. Nice. Uh, I I haven't gone back, honestly. I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know, my first set of of razors came because they sent them to us for free. Sure, right. But I I I don't know how many times I've reordered. Um, several. So there's really, um, yeah, they're they're outstanding, better than anything that I bought in a store. So and I use it just about every morning. So Harry's is the way to go, man. Very nice. Well, you know what? I just I- wish that I could turn my own handle. 
Like they have all those like kits, you <laughs> yeah, know, in yeah, the yeah. Turner catalogs and stuff. You know, it just feels like I should have like a Coca below handle. Maybe but. we should talk to them, see if they can start manufacturing like the heads. You could just turn the handle and pop it right on there. Yeah, the exclusive Wood Talk Make Your Own Handle Kit. That would be nice. Very cool. Yeah, come on, Harry. Get or on it, Har- Harry's. Harry's. How many, however people? many Harry's there are. <laughs> right. Do you have to be named Harry to work there? Uh, yes. It's, no. It's possessive, I think, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> it is possessive. That's right. <laughs> ah. Oh, nice. All right. Well, Harry's is the only shaving company that has both amazing quality and low prices. They feature German engineered five blade cartridges that produce a close, comfortable shave. No cuts or burns. Quality is guaranteed and they'll give you a full refund if you're not happy. They cut out the middleman so you get to take advantage of the factory direct prices, about half the price of the competition, and everything is shipped right to your door. Over one million guys have already made the switch and thousands more switch every day. Why pay 32 bucks for an eight pack of blades when you can get them for half the price at harrys.com? The Harry Starter Set is an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Now, Harry's doesn't like to discount things because their prices are already pretty darn low, uh, but we have worked out a special offer for you guys. Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with promo code WOODTALK. Stop overpaying for a great shave and start the new year off right. Go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter the code WOODTALK at checkout, and you will get yourself a sweet, sweet little discount. So good stuff. Thank you very much, Harry's. Thanks for keeping Shannon's face nice and clean. <laughs> and I actually have used the razor a couple times. Um, basically about once a month, I get the itch to go for a nice full-on clean shave, and uh, and it never disappoints. Definitely good stuff. All right, let's move into our email. Do you think that there are creative Germans out there who get offended every time we refer to German engineering as like the, the pinnacle of things? Why, like, why would they be offended? I don't know. It just seems like it's a, a com- form it's a of, compliment of, of nationalist racism. If it's if it's not like if it, if maybe you're lying and you're just using that as a marketing ploy and it's not German engineered, then I could see them having a problem with it. It's like when we say, "Oh, it must be state of the art because it was invented by NASA." It's like, right? Um, is it 1969? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, all right, let's move into the email. <laughs> but not really. We'll move on. <laughs> so interesting. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, all right. So someone had a question directly for me. They said, uh, who is this? Frederick. He says, Mark, I've heard you often mention that you listen to other podcasts on your wireless headset with ear protection while working in the shop. I have a shop safety question. Do you listen to podcasts when you're working on the table saw, bandsaw, jointer, and drill press? I would think that a podcast would be distracting. At least it would be for me and could lead to serious injury. I know when I'm in the shop and doing the drudgery work like cleaning up or hand sanding, I will have a stereo on in the background listening to either music or podcast thoughts. I think this is a very individual thing. I know some people can be easily distracted. It takes their mind off of the task at hand and it makes them a little bit more careless, I guess, uh, in the shop and and, uh, more potential to injure themselves. I've never really had that problem. Now, here's the thing. I'm not listening to like a book that I have to write a book report on. You know, this is like, I'm not studying for a test here. I'm listening to like goofballs. Like happens a lot to you now or no, I'm just giving a a frame of reference here. Does Nicole give you homework? No one is testing me on my books that I'm reading or pod. Uh, what happened at two minutes in the last making it podcast? Oh crap. I forget, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't listen for that level of detail. So I often forget some of the things that I hear, or maybe I don't, uh, maybe it all doesn't register. There's times where I'll listen to an audio book where bottom line is, 
if I have to focus on something, my default is to focus on the work. And there may be a time where I'm so focused on it that I'll have to go back when I'm done and back up like with a 30 second backwards skip in my audible book to listen to that part again, because I know I missed it. So I've got my brain trained to put the you know focus where it needs to be and the audio becomes secondary. If you're the type of person who gets very caught up in audio and you don't know how to zone it out when, when it's needed, then this may not be the right thing for you to do. So I think it's a very individual thing. Um, can either of you guys, you guys have any problems listening to spoken word things like uh, you know podcasts or audiobooks when you do woodwork? Do you find it distracting? Uh, no, I'm pretty much the same as you. I end up I end up rewinding a lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but frankly, that's kind of nice because, like, if it's a book or, you know, uh, it, it just makes it last longer. <laughs> Go back and listen to it again. <laughs> exactly. And like when when you're listening to uh, podcasts or whatever, and you know, especially because I tend to binge listen lately, um, if I know that like that's like the last new episode, it just extends it longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to rewind it a little yeah. bit more. Um, <laughs> True. Now. What about you? It doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. Does it, is it a problem for you? Yeah. Matt? Um, not, not really. The only audio that's really a problem for me sometimes is like music. Cause I'll really get into it and start like dancing there at the table side. Probably wasn't that safe, but you know, you gotta rock <laughs> yeah. out and jam every now and then. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that too. And I didn't see, I find that very encouraging. I work faster with music and, oh, yeah. and I, I can be a little bit more focused with audio, uh, like, um, you know, spoken word type audio. Um, but I've never felt that it was dangerous, but at the same time, I've been doing it this way for a long time. And I think like the audio component is one of my favorite things about being in the shop is being mm-hmm. able to like dive into a woodworking task and listen to something that I, I can't sit around my house and listen to audible. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it doesn't work when you've got yeah. two kids in a family. It's like, that doesn't happen. So my shop time is like, and when I drive are like the only two times that I can actually listen to that type of content. So I just take adv- full advantage of it. Um, but again, no, you got to know yourself. If you feel uncomfortable doing it, then don't, or maybe just do it during the lighter tasks. Like he's mentioning, stay away from the big scary power tools and use it for when you're sanding or finishing and you don't have as much uh, risk to worry about. Okay, Shannon. Yeah, this comes to us from Jim. He says, I'm milling my wood by hand, but still consider myself a bit of a newbie when it comes to hand planes. I find that milling a single board takes hours of planing, inspecting, and tweaking lumber to get it perfectly flat, so there isn't so much as a sliver of light under the straight edge. My question for you is, how flat is really necessary? I cannot tell you how many hours and gigabytes of of text (laughs) I have spilt on this particular topic in the hand tool school. Um, the easy answer is, uh, how flat do you need it? Um, if it is a reference surface, and by that I mean you are going to cut some sort of joinery that needs to reference off another board, or you're going to glue together a panel all on that edge, it's got to be pretty flat. But I say that, and I don't hold a straight edge up to it and hold it up against the light to see if there's light going through. I go mostly by feel. I'll rub a straight edge over the surface and you can feel by how it drags, whether or not it's high in the middle or it's low in the middle. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be so unbelievably flat that you've got to, you know, be able to run feeler gauges under the thing. Um, And I'm not sure where this has come from, whether it's coming out of so many of us started in woodworking and the power tool side of things, and we're so used to measuring things in thousands and things like that. Um, If this surface is not, and I would say anything less than like gluing together a panel joint, most of the time I don't even hold a straight edge up to it. 
Um, just because if it's if there's no joiner whatsoever going into it, frankly, all it needs to do is look pretty. Um, and if it's on the other side of a table, it doesn't even have to look pretty. So most of the time, I am very, for lack of a better term, fast and loose when it comes to planing by hand. It's get it done. Get it done quickly. And if I take a full length shaving with my joiner, it's flat enough. I'm not holding a straight edge up to it or whatever. And I haven't had any problems with that. I think the minute that you start kind of, as he says, inspecting and tweaking is when things start to go wrong. It's the same thing that comes with like hand cut joinery. You know, those gaps in your dovetails showed up not from your sawing, but from the chisel work you did after it. Um, trust that your plane is, is, is flat and is producing a flat edge. And unless you're gluing those two edges together to create a panel, I wouldn't really obsess over it terribly much. That's good news. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still so not going to. Less time planing, st- more time doing other stuff. Yeah, I'm still going to use my power tools. Because <laughs> <laughs> even then, well, you know, but it's you still know not perfect. How, you're using your power tools. Are you holding a straight, up, straight edge up to it and seeing how much light appears under it? No, because just like you, I trust that the tool is flat and is going to produce flat results. So I don't yeah, need to. And if you did, I bet you'd see quite a bit of light. Oh, I know I would. Coming through there. I know so, I would. you know, look at it that way. That's there, why I don't want to do it. a good example. <laughs> Run it over a joiner that you know is, is tuned properly. Then hold the straight edge up to it. You might be surprised how much light you see popping through there. Right. Especially beneath all the little ridge marks of that uh, power tool. Well, mark. even with these pieces I'm doing now, these like 80 inch long pieces, when, when they're fully planed down, and I know I you know did everything properly, they should be flat. I may put two on top of each other. And it's not like they're doing that whole, like when things are perfectly flat, they kind of suck down to, mm-hmm. to each other. They're not doing that. They're kind of rotating around on one another. So they're, they're not perfect, but over that span, they really don't need to be, you know, they yeah. really just need to be consistent at their ends where I'm going to do joinery, but all the way in the middle, it doesn't matter if it's a little bit off. As long as it's not drastically off, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. So there, so take that. <laughs> all right, Matt, you're up. <laughs> this one is from Rodnock. He says, oh. I have made an adjustable fence for my bandsaw that allows me to take a, the first long cut on a log for its first flat side. For conversation's sake, let's say 36-inch long log, and then turn the log 90 degrees and take another cut. I now have two flat sides 90 degrees from each other. I can now place the log on my bandsaw and register against the bandsaw fence and start making roughs on planks. His question is, in your experience, what do you typically cut your rough planks to? Let's say you want to end up at three-quarter inch thick finished planks. Do you rough them out to one inch or one and a quarter inch or more? If you want one and a quarter uh, slabs finished, do you rough cut to two inches? Any advice would help. I think if there was ever a question that the best answer to it would be, it depends, is this one. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect answer. (laughs) Uh, So I'm assuming if we're talking about just cutting logs up on the bandsaw, you're probably not cutting anything sizable. So in that case, you're probably cutting something, you know, less than probably less than a foot in diameter up there. I don't know how big of a person you are, hep, you know, huffing these logs around um, and stuff like that. When it's that small, you tend to have a lot more risk of them cupping um, pretty substantially just because of their size. And maybe if you're not cutting like a trunk and you're cutting a branch, you're going to have all kinds of things going on with your, your, your uh, warping as they dry. So really, it depends on the wood you're cutting. You know, where it came from in the tree, um, and then of course your setup. So if you are able to get those boards on the bandsaw to a perfectly consistent like inch thickness, then and they don't move much, you could probably get three quarter inch finished planks out of them. But if your setup is kind of off and your blade kind of wavers and wanders as you're making those cuts, 
you're going to need that material there to remove when you go to mill it to flatten it back up again. So you're going to want to go with something a little more. So for me, on my like my chainsaw mill, or if I have the wood miser guy come in and cut the stuff up, usually I cut that stuff a eighth of an inch more than the you know the final like quarter measure of the the board. So a four quarter board would come out at a um, inch and an eighth, and that leaves a little bit of space for the shrinkage as it dries a little bit because it might dry a little bit more in the inch and a sixteenth area. And with that stuff, I can usually get you know seven eighths or so in thickness, but really it depends on what you're cutting. Um, and uh, your saw setup and all that stuff. So I hope that helps to some extent. Cool. I like the fact that we can handle uh, logging and like slab questions now because of Matt being on the show. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's helpful. You could always answer them before, but I don't know. if We would have just been throwing spaghetti at the wall. Well, yeah, it would have been a Shannon, Shannon would have answered it. And then it, that would have been the end of it. Yeah, and it would have, it would have had some sort of industrial, like wholesale bent to it. So. <laughs> right. Well, what we do <laughs> is not applicable to, you know, the average dude in his shop. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I ran a log through my bandsaw once, my 14 inch bandsaw. Once. You know, that was, yeah. Once. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, the Johnny dangerously thing. Anyone remember yes. that? <laughs> Don't ever hang me on a hook. My father hung me on a hook once. <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can head over to woodtalkshow.com. Look in the side column and you'll see some donation links. Set up a uh, small recurring donation or a one-time donation. Whatever you want to do, every little bit helps out. We appreciate it. You can also go to twwstore.com and get yourself a Wood Talk t-shirt. And if you want, you could leave us an iTunes review. Just open up iTunes, click on ratings and reviews for our show, and give us a five-star rating just like Jeremy Wasnick did, JB505, Soul Hydration, and Andy K2303 did. And uh, let's see, I'll read one of them here from Jeremy Wasink. He says, hells to the yeah. I can't stop listening to the show. When people ask me if I've heard whatever song by whomever artist, I have to say, no way, Jose. Not unless they played it on Wood Talk, because that is all I listen to. (laughs) Keep up the fantastic work. Well, thank you, Jeremy. That is high praise, my friend. Very nice. I, I, I envision the future of Wood Talk to be like SNL, where we have like a musical guest break in the middle of the show. Now. <laughs> I would love that. That'd be great. Good idea. <laughs> Especially if we had a band named Soul Hydration that came on. Mm, that does sound like a band. Great actually. band name. Anyway, <clears throat> if you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you have several ways to contact us. You can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line, please, at 623-242-5180. Can I read that any faster? Uh, you can use our mm-hmm. fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you can find them at woodtalkshow.com. Don't forget, we all have websites, thewoodwhisperer.com or woodwhisperer.com, depending on how you want to get there renaissancewoodworker.com and mattcremona.com awesome well thank you for listening everybody and we will catch you next time see you later goodbye <laughs>